Father, as we come to the end of this uh, series on thinking about walking with you through COVID, pray that you would help us now as we consider what it means to walk well together as your people through challenging times. Help us to hear your word and your voice to us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I recently re-watched uh, the film The Way, and The Way stars uh, Martin Sheen, and it's about walking the Camino de Santiago, or the Way of St. James. That's an ancient pilgrim route which runs through northern Spain. And Martin Sheen plays Tom, whose son Daniel has tragically died while attempting to walk the Camino. And as a way to deal with his grief, Tom decides to walk the Camino for himself. And as he walks, he rather reluctantly uh, teams up with other pilgrims, three other pilgrims. And all have their own reason for making the walk, the way, the pilgrimage. And as Tom walks, he slowly comes to see that one of the most important things about walking the Camino are the people he is walking with. It's about the journey uh, made with others. This morning we come to the end of our sermon series, Walking with God Through COVID. And over the last six weeks, we've journeyed with Job and Jesus, discovering that whilst there are no easy answers to our questions, God meets us in our pain. And last week, we focused on the resurrection, the defining moment in Christian faith when God in Jesus shows us that beyond pain and suffering lie, lie glory and new life. Today, we're thinking about how we walk together, how we walk together through times of suffering and difficulty. And to help us do this, we're looking at the first letter of Peter, the first 16 verses, which we had read earlier. Ruth read those verses to us earlier. Peter's first letter was written sometime after uh, 60 AD, and it's written to encourage Christians um, as they face all kinds of trials, as Peter puts it in verse 6, to encourage Christians living as they face all kinds of trials. And it's written, or it was written to Jewish and non-Jewish Christians scattered throughout lands, through lands that we know as modern-day Turkey. And whilst 1 Peter was written to Christians who were suffering as a, a direct result of their Christian faith, rather than the suffering which happens to all of us as the result of living in a broken world. This letter has a lot to say to us about how we, as God's people together, walk through challenging times like the present. The letter is addressed to God's elect Later, Peter calls them a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, people 
priests in the plural, nation. The Bible shows, that being, shows us that being Christian is something that we do together, something we do in community, that whilst it's personal, it's not private. And this is such an encouragement because we walk together. We don't walk alone. God has put us in churches and fellowships because we need the support of one another if we're going to walk well through suffering. People write to Christians scattered, he says in verse 1, yet united by their call to be God's people and their shared faith in Jesus Christ. And I find those words such an encouragement. We are currently scattered by current COVID restrictions, but we must remember, we must hold on to the fact that we remain God's elect, his chosen people, his royal priesthood, his holy nation, his special possession together. Some of us are here in church this morning. Many more of you are sitting at home. And a significant number cannot connect with us online this morning at all. But wherever we are, no matter how connected we can be, let's remember that we're still God's people. We are his special possession. That our united faith in Jesus is stronger than the things which at the moment are keeping us apart. Peter encourages us to remember that we are united by our faith in Christ and that we walk together a path marked by praise, hope, and holiness. Praise, hope, and holiness. Key characteristics which map out how we are to journey together as God's people through adversity and challenge. Firstly, then, praise. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's verse 3. And if we scan down into chapter 2, Peter says, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Our walk together is to be marked by worship. Now, I don't know anyone, anyone who is finding worship easy at the moment. I'm not. And I realize more than ever how much I depend upon sung worship. And not just sung worship, but sung worship together. I can put on my favorite worship playlist at home and sing along, but it's, it's not really the same. And as brilliant as all our music- musicians are, it's hard to feel our hearts lift in the same way, whether that be in church or at home. At least that's true for me. For many of us, the current limitations make praise and worship hard. Sitting in church, separate from one another, wearing masks, not being able to sing. Sitting at home, watching on the same screen that you watch Netflix and YouTube and gaming and emails and work and do school. It's hard to remind yourself, at least I find this, that when worship is on the same screen that I watched 
the West Wing, the night before, that I'm meant to be a participant in worship and not a consumer of it. I find it hard not to apply the same kind of uh, standards to what I'm seeing in worship on a screen or demand the same level of entertainment. Online worship, it underlines our sense of disconnect, I think. And whilst no one can pretend that being in church, when we're in church, that we're always 100% attentive, online means that we can really do something else at the same time. We can check our emails, we can scan social media, we can even cook the tea. Because it's easy to check with just the click of a mouse what others are doing we're more easily dissatisfied with our own efforts. And all of us know how frustrating it is that despite all our best efforts, when tech lets us down. And I recognize all those hardships and I feel them. And yet, COVID is a really useful reminder to us that worship isn't about how we feel. It's not about you. It's not about me. It's primarily about God. It's only about God. It's about giving God the glory and honor which is his alone, whether we are here in church this morning or whether we are joining online. And so as Peter reminds us this morning that our primary purpose is to praise praise and worship God, let us all engage as well as we can in our shared worship, whether that be in church or whether that be at home. Do whatever helps you to do that. Um, Dress as you normally would to go to church. Make sure that you're set up on time. That's my key mistake. I always start looking for the code bang on whatever the moment is and then I'm always five minutes late. Have your Bible to on hand, unplug or switch off the phone. Sit, stand and kneel as you would in church. Write notes during the sermon if that helps you concentrate. Write or doodle words of praise if singing out loud at home feels really weird. Use the chat function to engage with others. Join in Zoom, Zoom coffee. Do whatever it takes to remember that we are God's people together called to praise the one who has brought us out of darkness into the light. So firstly, firstly, our path together in and out of COVID is to be marked with praise. Secondly, hope. Our walk together is to be marked with hope. Praise be to the God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. I don't know if you've um, ever been on one of those uh, walking tours, uh, when you're a tourist somewhere in a particularly kind of uh, crowded spot, uh, and the way that you know which is your guide or the way that you follow your guide is because they're kind of holding up something kind of bright and noticeable. It might be a kind of really kind of 
bright umbrella or it might be a walking stick with, um, oh, I don't know, a scarf or a soft toy or they might have a distinctive cap. And as you attempt to kind of shuffle through uh, wherever it is you are, it doesn't matter if you get separated for a time because what you're doing is you're keeping your eye fixed on that umbrella, on that that, um, scarf or whatever it is that your guide is holding up. No matter how separated or scattered we might be at the moment, we walk together by keeping our eyes firmly fixed on the living hope that is Jesus. As I said a little earlier, the faith that we share in Jesus is far stronger than the many things which are keeping us apart. And whilst we continue with restrictions which can make it, feel, make it hard to feel a sense of connectedness, We need to hold ever more tightly to the unity that we have in our faith and hope in Christ. A hope rooted not in an idea or a philosophy, but in flesh and blood. A hope which not even the grave could contain. A hope anchored in the past, but experienced in the present through a relationship with the risen Jesus. And it's a hope which looks forward to the time when Jesus will return and all God's promises find completion. It's an eternal inheritance, says Peter, which can never perish, spoil or fade, because it's kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So not only is our inheritance kept safe for us, but we're kept safe for our inheritance. We're shielded, says Peter, by God, shielded through God's power. That word is one we've become more and more familiar with, isn't it? Shielding. Many people are shielding those particularly vulnerable to COVID. And it's a powerful image, I think, which helps us understand the meaning of what Peter is saying Because shielded literally means being kept under guard. It's the job of uh, bodyguards to take a bullet, if necessary, for the person they protect. And, And in a similar way, it's God's job to take a bullet for us. And he's done that. He's done that on the cross. And because of that, we're safe. We are shielded by God. That doesn't mean, as this letter makes blatantly clear, that Christians will be protected from suffering. But it does mean that our salvation, our souls, that is the heart of who we are, what makes us uniquely and identifiably us, that is safe, protected by God through Jesus now and for eternity. So secondly, our path together is to be marked by hope as we keep our eyes fixed on the living hope we have in Jesus. Thirdly, holiness. Our walk together is to be marked by holiness. As obedient children, Peter writes, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, holy, 
So be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. Our walk together, our shared walk as God's people, the way we are church is to be marked by holiness. God himself is to be the model for the way that we live. Instinctively, we think there's no way that we can be holy like God, and we're right. The Bible makes it clear that holiness isn't something that we can earn for ourselves. It only comes through knowing Jesus, and it grows out of our relationship with God. Holiness can't be reduced to a a number of kind of holy actions, but rather flows out of lives which are increasingly centered on loving God wholeheartedly. Holiness includes, holiness includes, but is far more than living lives which have a particular moral and ethical code. It's about modeling a way of living together which reflects the compassion, the mercy, the forgiveness, the justice, and the generosity of God. It's about a way of living which should attract others as moths are attracted to light. Holiness should always draw and not drive. It should attract rather than repel. Think of how the quality of the early Christians shared life together led to the dramatic spread of the gospel. And the key to holiness is love. Love one another deeply from the heart, says Peter towards the end of chapter one. And later in chapter four, he he calls us to be like-minded, to be sympathetic, love one another, be compassionate and humble. In chapter 5, above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Loving others can be hard in COVID. The current restrictions are testing our patience and our compassion. Frustration and stress are leaking into all of our relationships. And the quality of our shared life together as God's people has taken a real battering. It's hard to love when the opportunities to do so are so limited. But just as we must work at our shared worship, so we must work at our shared loving, finding ways to love one another deeply through the limited means of connection that we have phone calls, cards, doorstep visits, engaging when we can via Zoom and online. None of us like it. None of us pretends that it's the real thing, but it's the best we've got. And thank God that we have. Loving one another through the way we think and talk about each other. Being faithful in praying for one another. Offering practical support where we can. Being holy together uh, always, but particularly at the moment, seems to me, um, requires oodles of grace, oodles of compassion, bucket loads of humility. 
a readiness to say sorry and be forgiving, to be sympathetic as we bear with one another's failings and weaknesses, as we walk together as God's people through this season. Peter wrote his letter to people under stress. In fact, the character and the pattern of Christian living was shaped during those early years through times of intense pressure and challenge. There was never a time when, you know, it was kind of easy to be loving or or to praise or, or to be holy. Such times, it seems, are the perfect training ground for communities called to model the character of God. We walk together then, a path marked by praise, hope, and holiness. A final word, well, a final few words, but not many more. In verse 7, Peter says, These have come, that is, trials have come, so that the proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. We need to tread carefully here because for a start we don't know exactly what kind of trials Peter is talking about. In the context of the letter we know them to have something to do with the opposition that comes or can come from being a Christian and that is quite different to the kind of suffering which we've been thinking about over the last few weeks, the kind of suffering which comes from uh, life-limiting illness, grief, mental illness, COVID, or any other kind of difficulty which is part and parcel of living in a broken world. What is certain, however, is that God can use times of challenge to purify faith. He doesn't will it, but he can use it to purify faith, to to stress test faith, if you like, and make it stronger. In weights, uh, something I know absolutely nothing about, um, you you gradually increase the load in order to stretch and strengthen the muscles, in order to make them stronger, at least I think that's how it works. And so it is, I think, with faith. Challenge and difficulty make us stretch and use our faith muscles in ways which strengthen and refine what we had. COVID has definitely asked questions of our faith. It has caused us all to dig deep. But God can use this. For if we keep walking together, and the together bit, that's really important. If we keep walking together, a path marked by praise, hope, and holiness, we will discover, I believe, that what we have is stronger and more precious than when we began.